Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us. You can also catch us every single day, Monday through Friday, on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. That's, again, 10 to 11 a.m., 7 to 8 a.m. Pacific. Also, check out FiveReasonSports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, ReasonSports.com. You can find all of Brady Hawk's updates. Uh, I shouldn't say updates. They're takeaways, analysis takeaways. Uh, Brady's hit some things right on the mark lately, so definitely check out his work. He's one of the real success stories of the network, and uh, we appreciate you checking out the site. Also, check out our podcast. Three Arts Per Carry is going strong now as two is in camp, five rings canes, everything on the college football situation and whether there actually will be a season. And our great sponsors, Biscayne Bay Brewing is one of our favorite sponsors, is the official sponsor, not only of Five Reasons Sports Network, but also of Inner Miami and the Miami Marlins. This is South Florida's actual independent brewery. Biscayne Bay is owned by local guys who employ people in this community to make their beer right here in South Florida. These guys are committed to our community and support Five Reasons Sports so we can keep bringing you all the local sports content you can handle. If you care about supporting local business and drinking amazing beer, grab their stuff, Marlins Lager, Miami Pale Ale, and Tropical Bay IPA at all major retailers throughout South Florida. It's the beer we're drinking at Five Reasons Sports. And you know who's drinking it more than anybody else? Matt Perdomo, we won our beer. He picked it up last week. So we're going to make sure we get that uh, to me, Alf, and Alex. All right. Today's episode. Got to make sure. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor. Here's today's floor plan. We're going to get you up to date on everything that's going on in the standings and the seedings in the Eastern Conference. This comes after the Heat, uh, not playing tonight, obviously beat Indiana last night as we're recording this. We're also going to get to Alf's eye test, which I know a lot of you have been waiting, you know, begging for this. So we're going to give you Alf's eye test. And then... Baiting with bated breath. With bated breath. Bated breath. Bated, bait, that's, that's the phrase I was looking for. And then we're going to get to an interview that Alex Toledo and I did with Tim Bontemps of ESPN.com and ESPN Television um, about everything from the Heat to the Sixers to the Pacers to the matchups and all of that good stuff. All right, but let's get right to it, guys. Um, first, the seedings and the standings and all that stuff. The Miami Heat, as we speak, cannot be worse than fifth in the Eastern Conference. That was secured when Phoenix, again, won, beat, beat uh, you know, very overmatched, um, very beat-up Philadelphia team right now. So the Heat can be, still be four or five. Doesn't really matter. What does matter is whether or not Philadelphia or Indiana um, ends up in the five spot. And that is still up for grabs, although it would seem that Indy has the inside track because they do have a tiebreaker on Philadelphia and obviously – the Sixers are really, really banged up right now. Um, let's, I don't want to get through the whole uh, Sixers-Pacers thing again because we did a lot of that with Bon Temps, and that's going to be later on here in the episode. But just generally, um, avoiding the six, do you play anybody the next two games? OKC and Indiana coming up. I don't think – I think you do in short spurts like – I think there. I think none of your major guys should play over 22 minutes. You know, something like that. Uh, like even even against the Pacers on on Monday, 
it was an important game, quote unquote, but nobody played over 29 minutes, I believe. Like Jimmy played 29 minutes. Mm-hmm. They really, they really kept the uh, the minutes low, and they they spread they spread they spread it around to just everybody. I think you can play this game, get guys reps, um, get guys comfortable without overplaying anybody. Like get Chris Silva and Gabe Vincent a bunch of minutes tomorrow. All right, this it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, for you to go out there because at at this point, fourth or fifth doesn't matter because we all know home court doesn't matter in the bubble. Uh, we talked about that ad nauseum. And you can't really gauge uh, – it's not like you can really gauge who you're going to play. And I don't know who you prefer at this point, the Sixers or the Pacers. So jockeying for position in that manner doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So to me, you play – You, I think everyone should play that is healthy enough to play, but like really, really, really restrict the minutes and get the guys that aren't going to get a lot of run – Myers Leonard should play some in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we talked, I said, like I said, Gabe Vincent, Chris Silva. Um, I don't even know if he played Derek Jones Jr. a lot because the way he played last game, he there might be a role for him playing with Dragic. Uh, but Solomon Hill should play a bunch of minutes. Let those guys get these minutes, get some reps. If Kendrick Nunn can go, I think because Kendrick he, Nunn. Uh, I don't. I think Casey's still hurt. Yeah, Casey's uh, still hurt, so that's not an option. But if Kendrick Nunn can play, Kendrick Nunn should get a a ton of minutes the next two games because he needs to get we still don't know that right like as of now the question was because when the quarantine clock started and i think they sped it up a little bit so we're not sure if he can play on wednesday that would be fast right yeah i'm not sure yeah Yeah, I, i mean i think i think friday is more likely for kendrick but if he can go tomorrow, like I said, if he can go tomorrow, you play him a ton of minutes. But especially Friday, if Friday is is if he if he can go Friday, he he should play thirty plus minutes. Like and and it's not about injury or anything like that. It's just about getting him comfortable. Let him let him feast on a Pacers team that's not uh, that's not playing anybody and get him some confidence because that guy's confidence seems shot right now. Yeah, I'm on the same page there uh, as far as the minutes distribution. If you know if the guys really want to play and they feel like you know how Bam was talking after the loss was uh you know basically like we still want to get right and and that was obviously before this big Pacers win and I don't know if they still feel some of that as a team or maybe you know get them a couple quarters and then rest them for the second half I'm good with that too uh but I guess it all depends on how much they want to go and how much the team needs to you know how much they feel like they actually need to play these games at this point as far as uh you know rounding into shape before the playoffs. I also, think, I also think part of it is that, you know, against Indiana, they're not going to want to show anything. I mean, I, I just think uh, it's more likely he gets a few guys some burn in, against OKC. I don't know what you need to see from Jimmy at this point. I don't know what you need to see from Dragic. Uh, but, you know, you are going to run out of bodies more, at a certain point. More hero handling reps? I'm good with that Yeah, for sure. no, I, I, I think that's something. I think you hit on it. I think Myers should play a lot. I, I they. Oh, you know, and, yeah, and, I, and I think that would make not, not that there's the reason you do it, but I think it would make Heat fans feel better because they think there's some great conspiracy. I, I've never seen anything like this. They think there's this great kneeling Ooh. conspiracy with Myers. It's like, did you I forget it's about, the, uh, it's about the, it's the it's a crossover Dolphin Heat fans. <laughs> normal, normal Heat fans don't don't have any conspiracy. Well, they know the organization Myers. would never do that, right? Like, I, and because it's just they would only do it to avoid the guy getting the bonuses like Kelly Olynyk. Well, wow. hey, they disagree. They disagree with I'm that. Playing, I'm gonna, playing. I'm gonna get a phone call. No, you're tomorrow. not. 
right, you know what? Be, 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 before we move, before we get in any deeper, we have an eye test. Tired of PER, EFG, QBR, PDQ, and QVC? Wait, what? Well, ditch the calculators and spreadsheets and check out the only stat that truly matters. It's time for ALF's Eye Test. All right, guys, for this eye test, um, this is something that I've talked about on file on the floor a few times, uh, but we never really talked about it a lot. I know uh, Alex is looking up, for, looking up stats to debunk the eye test, but you're going to fail because the eye test is undefeated, right? Uh, when it comes to the Miami Heat, one thing that I've noticed, and this is not something I have any stats or, or, or anything backing me up on this, but I've noticed this team plays – uh, this team wins and plays their best when they don't have a dominant scorer in the game. And what do I mean by that? When when there's nobody, when when you have a Jimmy Butler or a Goran Dragic or Bam Adebayo approaching 30 points, over 30 points in a single game, usually the Heat are losing those games. We've seen a lot of games where Jimmy has gone off and the Heat have lost those games. And why is that? Because I feel like the Heat are at their best offensively when you don't know where the attack is coming from. So when you have these games where Kendrick Nunn has 22, Jimmy Butler has 21, Bam Adebayo has 18, Tyler Hero has 16, Goran Dragic has 17, Duncan Robinson has 18. When you have six, seven, or more guys in double figures and nobody's scoring over 25 points, the Heat are at their absolute best. And why, like I said, why is that? It's because the Heat don't... Outside of Jimmy Butler and at for certain spurts, Goran Dragic, the Heat don't have that go-to scorer that can just completely take over a game, right? They have a lot of guys like Duncan Robinson who do things off of other guys. So if the ball isn't moving, if the if the assists aren't up, if there's if the spacing isn't right, the Heat offensively look bad a lot of times. So with when when the Heat are when the Heat are running on all cylinders, you're you're seeing tons of ball movement. And a lot of times you are seeing Jimmy Butler as a go-to ball handler and creator, but not necessarily a scorer. So that so that's my eye test. So when you see the Heat going into the fourth quarter and there's a bunch of guys in the teens, like that bodes well for the Heat the rest of the way. That means there's a lot of guys that got shots up, got comfortable and can can execute down the stretch. If one guy's dominating the ball, that that isn't Miami Heat basketball in 2020. It just it just isn't. So that's the eye test. I'm gonna let Alex come in and tell me that if I'm right yeah. or wrong, but I already know I'm right because the eye test is undefeated. I love how confident you are. And honestly, what I love more than that is how long you went for there. I was really, really rooting for you there to keep going and stalling so I could get these numbers right. And uh, I had to do it manually, man. I wasn't really sure how to do it on NBA.com stats for, you know, when somebody scores 25 or more. So I did it manually for, you know, the five guys we think that, you know, could get to 25 points. Jimmy, Bam, Goron. And then I also threw in Duncan and Tyler for good measure. And, buddy, I really do agree with the point. But you're wrong on this one. <laughs> the stats oh, no. tell me that you're wrong on this one. Oh, no. So I, 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 I think to your point, when guys get to 25 or more, there's still other guys that are scoring in double figures, and, and I think they're still getting those types of looks. But that, I'm gonna, I will tell you one thing. With Jimmy, 25 or more, the record is 7-6. and six. 
with Bam, 25 or more, the record is two and two. With Goron, I want to say it was four or five and one. So it's very good. Uh, Tyler Hero was four and one. Duncan Robinson was uh, also four and one. So the Heat absolutely win games when guys score 25 or more. But at the end of the day, I think what you're saying is right. I think they're, most of these games, like they're getting five or six guys in double figures, and that's what they aim to do. Okay, maybe I, I, I should uh, I should adjust it to when Bam or Jimmy go for twenty five or more. It's not it's not a good omen. How about that? <laughs> you just like when, when, when the Heat's all stars when the Heat's all stars go for twenty five or more. It's not it's not great for the team. Wait, like, you I, can't do that. Hold, hold on a second. I stepped <laughs> away for a second and I come back and you're already moving the goalposts on this. I'm counting. I'm counting the eye test. Eye test never fails. What, the what eye test this? never fails. Listen. Okay, let what what someone needs to do and, and, and respond to this post when we post it on Twitter and Instagram is what happens when the Heat have uh, six or seven guys in double figures. Maybe that that's more of the the, <laughs> the more the more of the, the goal is to have more guys to spread the scoring around. No, the goals have been moved is what's happened. But yeah, uh, that, that's that's absolutely uh, correct because. Uh, this is why I don't like the eye test. Uh, well, look, challenge. Jimmy and Bam. You are right about the Jimmy and Bam thing. We know, we know those are the two all stars, and we know now how important Duncan is, and uh, how important Tyler Hero is becoming and will be moving forward. But Jimmy and Bam were their all stars this year. They're always the starters, always the ones kind of running everything on both ends of the floor, and collectively barely above 500 when they scored 25. So you're not very off there. I think the the overall winning percentage is lower. I think I have to. We have to do the math on that. Because you uh, said four are to you one, gonna five do the math to no. Or, or, I mean, wait. if you send me, if, if Alex sends me the numbers, you know, I, you guys know that I don't like, well, I don't like a lot of math with my basketball. But <laughs> if well, the number support the, is that they're they're hovering around five hundred when one of their main guys gets twenty five or more. One of their when one of their one of their other guys, whether it's Goran, Duncan, Hero, and I'm sure this would apply to maybe a Kelly Olynyk or whoever mm-hmm. gets twenty five. They're winning games for sure because you, you already know when if Dragic is scoring twenty five points, he's not the only one that's scoring. But, At but least the, that's how but, I feel. But the but the other part of this is what we said uh, yesterday. Then when I want to get to the Vontaze Center, we, we were talking about yesterday was the Heat have an unconventional team and that their two All Stars are not necessarily a lot of nights their best scorers or best offensive players, which is very unusual. And so yeah, when you have a Dragic going for twenty four or a hero going for, you know, 25 or, or none or somebody else, then it's likely that Bam and, and, and Jimmy are doing the other things that are helping you win. So I don't even know, think it, it matters how much they're scoring, but you're getting the scoring from other players. I think it's more – they're just a really weird team. Like, they're, they're not, they're not top-heavy in the same way from a scoring perspective that other teams are. Not from a scoring pr- perspective. You're right. I think Jimmy – Jimmy's best offensive games are when he's not scoring the basketball a lot. And he's just doing so many other things offensively, distributing the ball, getting to the free throw line, um, just just controlling the offense, just, just controlling the p- pace completely. And a lot of times, if, you just, if he's going off offensively, like the assist numbers go down. The free throw numbers sometimes go down as well. Uh, because that a lot of times that means the jump shot's falling, so he's taking a lot of jumpers. So I... I think, uh, okay, the, the eye test has proven wrong a little bit. I th- well, I, I'll give the, the eye I, test like a 50-50 today because okay. I, think, I think what's proven is when they spread the ball around and multiple guys are in double figures, 
and the the two is the the focal point of the offense isn't just the two all stars, the Heat have a better record. Um, so, um, just a quick update on this. So before I did it with twenty five and up, you know, somebody scoring twenty five points or more in a game, and I was just kind of looking through Jimmy and Bam and looking at their record for, you know, above twenty basically, and the the theme was pretty much the same, hovering around five hundred for Jimmy and Bam. For and, and that's games in, that are basically twenty scoring twenty or more. So you're not that wrong there, man. I don't think I'm off base. I think the the, the Heat with a bunch of they're not guys designed around, for Jimmy and Bam to carry them offensively. Yeah, a bunch of guys between seventeen to twenty two points. <laughs> I think that that's where the Heat need to be. Just a, just a bunch of guys coming at you from every single angle. If if the Heat uh if the Heat offense bogs down into we can focus on Jimmy Butler or we can focus on Bam Adebayo, the, the Heat are in a lot of trouble. A ton. That means three-pointers aren't falling. That means Dragic isn't getting to the rim. That means a lot of things are going wrong if you're able to double uh, Jimmy or double Bam. I, I think this eye test should have been on Tuesdays where it's 75 degrees or, or lower Listen, outside. you do, uh, do not. Okay, you keep questioning the eye test. We're going to see. I, 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 I'm bringing it. karma on myself. I know that. I shouldn't do that. Uh, but we always Never. appreciate you always appreciate your contributions. I look forward to Alex sending you this stuff so you can do the math uh, and, and sending it back to us. Alex, how did you put that together so quickly? Because it literally I mean, he texted you on this an hour ago. I'm very impressed with myself. No, because I was running around, so I wasn't even – I am because I, I wasn't even doing this before. Like, I was running around. I've been doing a bunch of things in the house, and, and I didn't do it until now while you were running, you know, reading the ads and you and setting up the show and Alf was doing his thing. It really gave me enough time to get it all. I literally just looked through their game logs and, and – Yeah, I don't, trust, <laughs> I don't down. trust – I don't trust Alex right now. Uh, all see, right. See, is that the thing? Is that like if you don't like the vote, then the vote is – He doesn't like the numbers. Yeah, honestly. We're, 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 deal, we're shut, dealing with I'm shutting down the postal service. I'm shutting yeah, down the that, postal service. Yeah, that's right. Shut it down. Right, exactly. All right. Can I say something interesting that I just saw right now that I just noticed? Uh, you can, yes. Really quickly, the Heat are, uh, have the sixth highest plus minus in the league despite their three-point percentage being the ninth highest since the bubble started. And you know that they were pretty much hovering around one or two all year. So them being sixth highest plus minus in the bubble, despite that, I think is a pretty good sign. All right. You need your own segment. After the break, we're going to get to our interview with Tim Bontemps. But first, a word from one of our great sponsors. I want to introduce you to another of the great new sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and it is a sponsor that would be important in any time if you want to have a beautiful workspace, but it's especially important now when you need a safe one as well, and that's safe cubbies.com which offers modular office solutions designed to elevate your open office into a modern and safe environment at any budget you can personalize your workspace with options like whiteboards magnetic panels acrylic sheets and graphic branding most of the surfaces are non-porous for easy cleaning and can be removed or replaced within minutes now this is for workplaces they've got a bunch of different options on their professional series but also they've got private room solutions dividers and sneeze guards and they have a classroom series as well so if you're involved with the school this is definitely something your school should check out of course if we have school in the fall and that's the point here we were entering a new normal period with COVID-19 safecubbies.com which is locally owned is the place that you want to go the phone number is 754-216-1071 again that's 754-216-1071 or safecubbies.com 
All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Also, every day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 to 8 a.m. Pacific on the Nothing But Net channel. Make sure if you're not listening to us there right now that you download Dash Radio and then go to Nothing But Net and you will find us every single day. All right, we had this guy on before the season. I've had him on Five Reasons podcast before, a friend of mine uh, who is in the bubble right now. He's worked at a, a bunch of places, but now he works for ESPN. You've seen him on television, also on ESPN.com. He's based up in the Northeast now after some time in the Bay Area. Tim Bontemps. Timmy, thanks for doing it. Anytime, Ethan. Great to catch up with you, man. All right, so we got Alex and myself here together, and, and let's just start here because I think people are interested. There were not that many media that got into the bubble or even that their outlets applied for the bubble. Can you kind of go through what that has been like, how long you've been there <laughs> and just w what that's like for somebody who, who doesn't know, you know, what's going on there. Yeah. So there's two levels to uh, access in the bubble. There's tier one, uh, which is where my colleague Malik Andrews and, and a lot of people you've seen, uh, you know, on TV or, or writing uh, Joe Varden at the athletic um, Adrian Wojnarowski in there now uh, trying to thank Gary Washburn from the globe. A lot of people, Chris Mannix. Um, so they're in tier one, so they can go, they're staying at one of the hotels that the, the teams are at. They get tested every day. They can go to practices. They can go to shoot-arounds. They can go to games. They can interview players. Then there's Tier 2, which is the tier that I'm in, which is uh, you can go to the games, but you stay at an off-site hotel, and you can't interact with anybody other than, like, you know, waving to people from 45 feet away, which I've been doing a lot of over the past couple of weeks. So, um, so I've been going to a lot of games. and. You know, obviously, it's not quite the same level of access as if you are in the first tier and can go to practices and stuff. But there's still a lot of stuff that you can pick up, you know, as you know, Ethan, from going to games, as, as many games as we've both gone to over the years. There's a lot of stuff you can pick up on being in the arena that you can't watch on TV. You, you'll see most of what you see on TV, but especially during timeouts and, you know, before and after games, there, there's stuff that you can, you can scope out if you're paying attention that you can, you can take advantage of if you're in the building. So. Um, it's certainly, uh, certainly been a, an interesting experience to be part of. I've, I've been here for a couple weeks now. Um, you know, I think I'm going to be here the whole time and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely hopefully a, a once in a lifetime thing. Hopefully that we don't have the world come to a halt like this for a, a pandemic again, anytime soon. And, um, you know, I could say that I was down here, you know, part of what's, uh, an interesting experience the NBA is putting on and experiment, I should say. And uh, so far seems like a successful one, knock on wood. Well, I was a mile from you and, uh, and obviously had to turn around. So I'm right. I'm glad I, you're I, okay. I, I'm, also, I'm, I should say. Yeah, I'm doing fine, but I'm familiar with the experience and, and you know, they have it. I, I will say from my experience, you know, the NBA has it together. They're not taking any chances. Um, you know, in my situation, you know, when I got tested, I found out, within about 19 hours and, you know, I was reached by, you know, a doctor affiliated with the NBA and, you know, and I was, and I was given all the instructions and there was a follow-up and everything else. So they're not, they're not messing around, you know, it, you being there the whole time, I admire you for that. I wasn't planning on doing that, but I will get up there at some point <laughs> um, here. And then before we get to the heat, I know Alex wants to get into a whole bunch of stuff related to the heat, Sixers, Pacers, et cetera. Um, I, like you said, I, I think the NBA, you know, has been, you know, there were a lot of questions about whether this would work. Um, Adam Silver kind of took his league out before everybody else did. And then he wanted to bring his league back, you know, before everybody else did, but also doing it safely. 
I mean, at this point, I, I don't love the Jersey thing that they did, but beyond that, I think they got pretty much 99% of this right. Um, is there anything that you think they could have done that they didn't do to make it work? No, I don't think so. Um, look, they, the NBA, uh, I think the reason this is working in ways that, you know, baseball is like sputtering, but at least still going and football is probably going to be in trouble. Um, you know, the, the reason this thing is working is because the partnership between the league and the players is as strong as it's ever been. And for this thing to get this far, you know, Brian Winhurst, uh, my colleague and I did a ton of reporting on what a bubble would look like and the financial costs that uh, both sides are going to have to endure and all, all these various things that were really difficult, tricky things that had to be negotiated and sorted out. And the fact that the league has gotten this far, I think is a credit to everybody involved, understanding that, hey, look, this isn't an ideal circumstance for anybody, but let's try to find a way to make this, you know, the best possible circumstance we can and finish off this season and get crowned a champion and, you know, be able to, you know, get through a postseason, you know, hopefully again, knock on wood, uh, normal, you know, normal full four round six, you know, 16 team best of seven series postseason, and then try to figure out what's going to happen next season later. Um, I think if you'd have said to the NBA, you know, back in April or May when things were looking pretty dire, hey, look, you guys in six months are going to be done with a season and be able to have, you know, some regular season games and a full playoffs and crown a champion and, and get to the offseason uh, intact. I think Adam Silver in the league office and, you know, Michelle Roberts and Chris Paul and the Players Association would have taken that deal in a millisecond and not thought twice about it. So, um, you know, I think the TV presentation has been good and, you know, the, the games are compelling and, you know, there's been a couple unfortunate injuries, but, for the most part, everybody's healthy and the virus has stayed out. So I think it's, uh, I think it's all come together about as well as it possibly could have. All right, let's get into the heat a little bit. And, and I, I know your views on Eric Spolstra. I know you're a fan. Um, I, I know from the beginning of the season uh, when we had you on that uh, I don't know that you thought that this would come together quite this quickly for this team. And I know when you and I have had conversations about this team, you feel that Spolstra has pretty much maximize a lot of a lot of what he's had uh but before we get into the Pacers matchup and I, I Alex digs into that with you and then we talk about the Sixers just in general like how far away do you think this particular heat group is from contention I think they're one guy away I think when you if you take a clear-eyed look at this heat team they're missing one more key player right I, I mean Jimmy Butler is great Bam obviously he's taking a massive step um, but you kind of saw it in that Bucks game, right? And I know, obviously, Goran Dragic and Jimmy Butler are both not being out there. Um, those are the two guys on this team that you can really rely on to put the ball on the floor and make a play for either themselves or for somebody else. And that, as that second half wore on and the Bucks, with all their size, were kind of just relentlessly attacking the Heat in the half court. You could see Miami's offense just kind of dried up at that point because they didn't have those creators. But, you know, look, if you put, you know, and it's a simple thing to say, but if you put a, you know, but, you know, obviously Giannis is like the dream scenario. But if you put another star-level player with Perhaps Jimmy and Donovan Bam, Mitchell? Yeah, I mean, Donovan Mitchell would certainly be in that category. Uh, I think, you know, the chances of getting him anytime soon, I think, are going to be fairly remote. But, uh, but that, that, he's probably a good example, though, at least of that tier of a player. Like, if you could get another top 25 to 30, 35 player on this team with Bam and with Jimmy and with the supporting cast they're going to have and, you know, Pat Riley and Andy Ellsberg and, and their whole front office has obviously shown a track record of going out and finding talent. Um, and Eric Spolstra, you know, you, you said it well. I mean, I think he I, 
I had a really hard time with my coach of the year ballot. He ended up fourth on it, but you could have just as easily had him first or second. I think he's done a fantastic job with this team. Um, you know, I think it's a the Heat. You know, the Heat are back. You know, that was kind of my thought. I, I saw these guys. I want to say in Philly early in the season, and kind of the swagger was back, and uh, the confidence around the organization. You know, talking to Eric, talking to the guys, like they felt like the Heat again. Um, and I, that's I think that's a good thing for the league. And uh, I, I think, look, do they? If you told me they, you know, kind of snuck through and got to the conference finals or the finals this year, I wouldn't be you know, completely stunned by that. Like, I think there's a, a chance that could work out. I think it's a pretty slim chance, but there's a chance. And I think that if they can add that other piece over the next, you know, 12 to 24 months, I think all of a sudden, then you're looking at a team that, that really is going to be in the mix in the East for a long time to come and has got a chance to, you know, really regularly contend to get back to the finals again. So Tim, uh, talking about the heat, uh, the first time, the, well, the last time that you were on this podcast, you talked about the Heat and the Sixers particularly, and everything has changed so much with those two teams since you've yep. been on, particularly the Sixers. Yep. So uh, it's already changed probably two or three times now. Like even recently, uh, we yep. saw the change to Shake Milton at point guard, and now Simmons is out. And uh, I'm not sure what the update is on Embiid at the moment, but I know that this team is, has basically taken multiple different identities. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, you are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. It's because of basically their lack of an identity and their lack of uh, maybe, let's say, offensive coherence throughout the season. Uh, I'm not sure it's looking as likely anymore, but you look at that team. I mean, the Sixers were somebody who a lot of people picked, and I believe you picked as well, to, uh, to get to the finals before the, the season started. How would you feel about that matchup now? Because although it's looking like Heat Pacers is the more likely outcome, that is something that can still happen in the first round. And uh, like I said, it's taking different identities. How would you feel about it in the way that things stand now? That I would be I would be wary of the Sixers because Joel Embiid is the best player, and you know, as you guys know, if you get in a playoff series and you have the best player, 
you have to feel pretty good about your chances of getting out of the series, right? And I think for as good as Bam is, and Bam's awesome, um, you know, Joel is, when he's motivated and ready to go, I think the best big man in the league by a, a pretty decent amount. Now, is he always motivated and ready to go? No. Is he hurt sometimes? Yes. But um, when, he's, when he's there and ready, he's a hell of a guy to try to have to stop. Um, and Philly still has Tobias Harris. They still have Al Horford. They still have, jo- you know, your old friend Josh Richardson. Um, you know, Matisse Thibel's a really good defensive wing. Jake Milton can, you know, hit some spot-up shots and make some plays. They still have talent. So I, I don't, you know, I think Miami would win the series. Uh, just obviously without Ben Simmons, Philly's a very different team. Um, but I, I wouldn't necessarily be thrilled about the prospect of having to play Philly in the first round because, again, Embiid is good enough that he could go out there and average 35 and 15 or, you know, 38 and 20 or something and um, wreak a lot of havoc and, and maybe steal a series for Philly. Um, but I do think Miami would ultimately win just because I, I think, to your point, you know, they have a much clearer identity. They know who they are. You know, I think Eric's obviously a great coach. And, you know, Philly's just had enough issues here, both health-wise and, um, you know, and just trying to still figure out how they want to play that, you know, I would, ex- I would suspect that without Simmons, you know, it's just too much for, for them to have to be able to overcome. All right. Well, the more likely outcome is, is Heat Pacers. And as we're recording this, it's before the Heat play the Pacers on Monday night. So two of the last three, they're playing each other. The Heat have a game in the middle against OKC. The Pacers have a game left against the Rockets. The Heat have the tiebreaker, but if it's 4-5, it doesn't matter because home court doesn't matter. Um, but this is, you know, 90% chance that this is going to be the outcome. Neither team can get to four at this stage. So let's look at, at this matchup as well. Um, and again, by the time you hear this, some of this may have played out. And as I speak, I don't know if TJ Warren's playing tonight. Um, but without Sabonis, so that's the thing I, we've talked about. A lot. I know the Pacers are playing well. The TJ, you know, Tim, people are talking about TJ Warren. Like, I know this is an explosion that he's had here. But if you look back at February and March, he averaged 20 points a game on 56% shooting. So like he was playing well before the break. Like yeah, and- no, that's a really good that's a really good point that you make. Uh, mm-hmm. To jump in, I I have kind of been bemused by like last week when I was at the Sixers Philly game or the Sixers Pacers game, the first game for both those teams here when he scored fifty three, and, and people were saying some nonsensical things like this is like when Tony Delk or Corey Brewer scored fifty points in a game like that. That could not be further from the truth. This is a this is a guy who's a proven scorer in the league who averaged 19 a game this year, who is a really good player. And, you know, you guys know this, you know, from over the years playing the Pacers so many times. You know, Miami and Indiana are two of the best teams in the league at developing players. And it, they, they do it in different ways. Miami tends to find guys kind of who are off the radar, off the scrap heap, you know, whether it's Tyler Johnson or um, Hassan Whiteside, you know, Kendrick Nunn, they find out of the G League, Duncan Robinson, they develop out of the G League, right? They, t- they tend to find young guys and develop them up and turn them into players as they go. Uh, you go way back to Udonis, obviously, with that, too. Um, Indiana is kind of a different thing where they, they tend to go out and find guys in the middle of their careers, bring them to the, to the Pacers, and then coach them up and get them a lot better when they're there. You go back mm-hmm. over the years, you know, TJ Warren, this year's the latest example. They got him with the 32nd pick in the draft last year uh, from Phoenix because Phoenix was trying to clear cap space to go sign Ricky Rubio in the offseason, right? So they just get basically T.J. Warren for free, replace Boyan Bogdanovich, a guy who they brought in, got a lot better 
while he was with the Pacers. He got a huge money deal with the Jazz. They go get T.J. Warren. They sign Malcolm Brogdon. He's taken a little bit of a step this year, even though he's been banged up some. You go back to the Victor Oladipo and Demonis Sabonis for Paul George trade. People, when they made that trade, people did not think they got enough for Paul George. They turned both of those guys into all-stars, albeit in different years, right? Um, Thaddeus Young got a lot better when he got there. David West got a lot better back in uh, 2010 when he went there after he tore his ACL. Um, he was already really good, but he took another step. Um, they've, they've just done a remarkable job of bringing in players and making them better when they're there. And, you know, because of that, you know, TJ's the latest example. Like you said, Ethan, I, I was just – I really was just laughing – and people acting like this was this absolutely incredible thing that could never have happened that T.J. Warren scored 50 points in a game. Like, I wouldn't have said he was the first guy on my list to score 50 here, but it's not like this is some guy who averages five points a game and does not a shoot. Um, and he's a really, really good player. I was just going to say, well, we were talking about the Pacers here. Uh, I think, like I mentioned before, that seems to be the most likely matchup at this point between the Heat, uh, which is, you know, getting the Pacers in the first round, whether the Heat or the Pacers are four or five remains to be seen but at this point we're not really sure how much it matters other than seeing uh, which team's logo was on the floor during those games right and uh, which team's fans are cheering virtually at the games but uh how would you feel about that matchup knowing what we've seen with the you know the growth of TJ Warren in Indiana the growth of uh, Malcolm Brogdon who was basically their second best player all season before Oladipo returned and and was an all-star level player to you know to your point about how they develop guys and turn proven commodities into you know taking another another step like like mm -hmm. they did with Oladipo and Sabonis uh knowing that Sabonis is out they're playing a more modern style it's kind of a different a little bit of a different identity than they've had all season and uh how would you feel about that matchup knowing what you know about it now I don't know who I'll pick to win that series I mean again I'd probably give a slight edge to the Heat um but look I mean the Heat have a bunch of stuff they're dealing with too right like uh you know whatever's going on with Jimmy's foot or calf or whatever it is like that's a little concerning uh you know Goran Dragic like I said before he's a really critical piece for them coming off the bench is really their only other guy besides Jimmy who can put the ball on the floor and make plays um you know obviously Bam can but that's a little different like in the half court you, you know in theory you're going to have um you know Goran or Jimmy with the ball trying to do pick and rolls and stuff um you know they need both those guys to be healthy Kendrick Nunn obviously has been in and out we'll see what he looks like when he's able to get back out on the court again um you know, but Indiana's kind of a similar team. Nate McMillan, I think, is a really underrated coach. Every year his teams kind of maximize what they have. Uh, I think that's certainly the case this year. It's, it's still, you know, Victor still doesn't look like the same guy. Uh, he's gotten a little better, I think, here in the bubble, but he still doesn't have the same burst. But, you know, he's obviously a guy who's proven in big moments he can make plays. Brogdon is now healthy. He's a critical piece for them. TJ's playing out of his mind. Uh, you know, he's, I, you could argue he's been the best player here. I mean, he's probably, um, he, he's probably second to Dame in terms of you're ranking, like say a bubble MVP list, but mm -hmm. I mean, those two guys are right at the top. So, you know, Miles Turner's an athletic big who can space the floor, can block shots at the rim. Uh, though I think Bam with his physicality could be able to really, um, you know, move him around inside and take some advantage of that. Um, so I, I think that Miami would win, but I, I think that would be a long series and, um, you know, look, Indiana's – again, like, they're two really tough, physical, hard-nosed teams that have a lot of guys that get after it and play hard. Obviously, you know, everybody listening to this knows about the back and forth between Jimmy and TJ during the season. Um, you know, it, it would – that would be a series that would have a lot of juice. It would be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be really excited to sit and um, 
uh, sit and watch uh, six or seven games of it and uh, see how it plays out. All right, let's get to some rapid fire here with you, Tim, and we appreciate you taking the time. Of course, man. Who? Uh, ha, 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 give me a percentage, as I stutter here. Give me a percentage, because <laughs> we've had everybody do this, uh-huh. of, of the Heat beating Milwaukee in the second round if they got there. Uh, percentage. I'd say maybe like 20 25%, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Milwaukee, over the course of the year, has proven to be a, a, much, a much superior team to Miami. And I obviously have some concerns about um, some of the injury stuff with the Heat. But, like, look, people will probably listen and get mad at me and be throwing things for saying 20 to 25%. But, uh, you know, that's, I, I think that's a, a fairly decent chance for an underdog team in a neutral site where nobody has home court. Um, you know, I, I am kind of, like, uh, I think Alex mentioned that earlier. I am kind of curious to see how the home, like, in theory, quote-unquote, home court stuff shakes out in the playoffs. Like, you know, typically in a playoff series, the role players are going to play a lot better at home than they will mm-hmm. on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this bubble so far, the home teams, quote-unquote, home teams, have won, like, 60-something percent of the games. Yeah, I, I don't think. know what that means. Well, I don't either, right? It's just kind of a weird stat because, like, regular season, I think the percentage is about 55%. <laughs> yeah. And here it's over 60. So, like – I, I don't wow. know if it's noise. I don't know if it's coincidence. I don't know if it so is like is more important. Well, <laughs> yes. yeah, it's, it's, I don't, I don't necessarily buy that, but it is kind of a weird thing. Right. So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I certainly don't, I'm not like necessarily counting on that to hold up in the playoffs, but uh, one of the things I am really curious about is how will the role players on these great teams on these, on these teams in the playoffs play, right? Like you've mm-hmm. seen, even in these early games, like Giannis is going off every game. Luka Doncic is going off just about every game. Dame Lillard is going off every game, right? Like the star players are showing up and playing. It's the role guys that usually are going to wind up determining a playoff series. Like last year, you know, Milwaukee lost in part because Fred Van Vliet went berserk from three-point range in that conference finals. I think he was like 12 for 17 over games four to six in that series. So for the Heat to win that series, which they can do, they're going to need Duncan Robinson to make a ton of shots. They're going to need Tyler Hero to make a ton of shots. They're going to need Kendrick Nunn to make a ton of shots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're going to need all those role players. Jay Crowder is going to have to make shots. Iggy's going to have to make shots. Those guys are all going to have to step up and make a lot of plays and make a lot of shots. Is it possible? Yeah. But I think if you're kind of gaming that series out 100 times, you know, I would say Miami probably wins, I would say, about a quarter of them. All right, Toronto, Boston. Who do you like in that one? Man, I'm not sure. I, I'll give a very, very slight edge to Toronto. Um, but I, I think those are t- – that, that to me is probably going to be my favorite series to watch in the whole playoffs. I really hope it happens. Uh, as all these East teams have played over the years, that's the one matchup that's never happened. And those are maybe the two best coaches in the league, and Nick Nurse and Spo, um, or Nick Nurse and Spo, uh, wrong series. Brad Stevens also one of the best coaches. I would put him a little bit behind those guys. But Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens, both really good coaches. Uh, two very versatile rosters with long athletic wings on both sides. Uh, you know, can play really big, can play small. If you're Toronto, the, the Celtics, Daniel Tice has been a revelation center. They can also go super small with all their five wing players on the court. Um, really should be a fun chess match back and forth. I'll give a slight edge to Toronto because I think their defense is the best unit uh, you know, offense, defense, offense, defense. I think their defense is the best unit in the series. So I'll give them a very slight edge. But 
uh, I just am really, really excited to watch what would be, would be a really fun uh, chess match between those two teams over, you know, like I said, hopefully six or seven games uh, here in a couple of weeks. All right, so let's get to another one. Giannis, if he does not win, we have to ask this question. This is, you know, sure. I think we asked you at the beginning of the season. Sure. So I'm not sure what your answer was then, but I'm going to go back and listen to it. Giannis, sure. if, he does, if he does not win in the next two years, because I, th- I think if he wins, he stays. If he does not win in the next two years, A, does he go? B, give me right now your one, two, three, where he would go. Uh, I have no idea what, how to rank uh, contenders, honestly, for him for next year. I mean, I, all this is just – this is going to be kind of a cop-out. There's way too many variables now to know um, how this is all going to shake out, right, whether he wins or not. Uh, because unlike back in, like back in October, Ethan, we could look at this and kind of game it out as a normal NBA cycle plays out, right? You go through this season. You see how it goes. Then you go into the walk year. Does he take the super max? Okay, if he does, he stays, obviously. If he doesn't, okay, historically those guys leave. Um, you know, there's going to be teams lined up to try to get them. You know, everybody would kind of have the cap projections laid out, all that kind of stuff. Now we have no idea what the cap is going to be this coming season, let alone next season. We don't know if there's going to be a next season. We don't know uh, how much money the league will make. We don't know where the cap is going to set up. We don't like there's, there's at least the potential that there could be CBA stuff that happens. I don't think it's going to, there's at least the potential for it. Um, so I can't, I'm honestly not sure how any of this shakes out now. I do agree with your point. I think if he, I think if he does win the championship, I'd be very hard pressed to see him leave. Um, I do think they'll have a real chance to keep him either, even if they don't. Uh, but look, you've got Dallas. Uh, with Luca and KP, they're going to be an option. You've got the Heat with Jimmy and Bam. They're going to be an option. You've got Toronto. He's got a connection with Masai. They've got a really good organization. I think they're going to be an option. Uh, at that point, the Knicks could very well be an option. Um, you could have the LA teams in the mix. Uh, Tim, you know, Tim, the Knicks are never an option. Come on. I'm, well, I'm just, I, I, I was letting you go through the rest of them, but I can't. I, I can't well, I, can't, I mean, listen, you guys, can, you guys can crap on them all the time, and there's been plenty of reason to, and they probably won't be. But look, People wouldn't have said the Heat a year ago uh, from now, I guess, go back to June. People wouldn't have thought that the Heat were going to turn what they had into Jimmy Butler and the, the mix that they've got now, right? A lot can change in a year. Now, I certainly trust Miami's leadership more than what the Knicks have for about a thousand reasons, but I, they're going to have cap space. They're going to be in the mix. I, I'm just putting them on the board. Uh, the two LA teams both have a chance to be in the mix. The Clippers could have. Kawhi and Paul George opt out. They'll have a ton of money. Uh, the Lakers, depending on what happens there, Anthony Davis and LeBron could both be up, depending on you know what Anthony does with his salary. So, look, there, there's going to be a lot of teams lined up to go after Giannis. The Warriors are also probably going to try to go after him. I mean, so yeah. you're yeah. talking about six, seven, eight, nine teams position themselves to try to sign this guy uh, in a year from now. So um, I certainly think the Heat are going to be right in the mix. I think they've got an awfully compelling case, um, but there's just, for me, way too many things up in the air right now to game it out and say, well, if Giannis doesn't stay in Milwaukee, I think he's going to go to X. I, I just, you know, there's, there's a long time to go between now and whenever free agency starts next year, probably, you know, a year from now or something. So we'll see how it all shakes out. All right, we'll close with this. LeBron comes into the bubble, has been kind of underwhelming, but there's the feeling that, 
he'll pick it up as time goes. Obviously, Anthony Davis has been better. The Lakers are probably going to get a more challenging first-round matchup than we expected, and they're a little light on guards. But, you know, they should be expected to get through most of it. The Clippers have had sort of some weird moments in the bubble. Um, but talent-wise, they're right there with everybody. Houston's been, I think, better than I anticipated. We talked about Milwaukee and Toronto. If you had to pick a champion right now, not knowing all the seating, not knowing, you know, Clippers. injuries that are going to happen, who is it? Clippers. Clippers, still? Uh, yeah. Clippers. yeah. I mean, I, th- I think they're uh, – look, a, a, lot can, a lot can happen. Um, a lot can happen. But they have been the best and deepest team all year going back to the summer. I mean, I don't think it's really that debatable um, when they have everybody available and ready to go. Uh, and Kawhi looks great. Paul George looks really good. Uh, so yeah, I, I think they're, I think they, they should win. I think they're the best team. Does not mean they will win. They have some flaws. Um, you know, they've obviously had a lot of guys in and out of the bubble. Uh, you know, they do have some real injury concerns. They have an older team. Uh, they don't have a ton of size. Uh, but I think they're, I think they are the clear best team. I have, I have real questions about Milwaukee. Uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit before, but you know, Mike Budenholzer has a track record of his teams getting lit up from three in the playoffs and losing. He'd obviously be a really tough matchup for them in the second round. They do match up really well. Uh, and the Raptors and Celtics are both really good in the conference finals. Uh, and I, I don't have a lot of faith in the Lakers. Um, I, you know, the thing that really stood out to me about watching, you know, everybody probably noticed TJ Warren going berserk again. I'm Anthony Davis at the end of that uh, Lakers Pacers game on Saturday night. But the thing that stood out to me was, and Ethan, I don't know if you saw the game, but you, you follow LeBron as closely as anybody down the stretch of that game. He was guarded one-on-one by Malcolm Brogdon, and he did not try to attack the whole time. There were some back downs in the post and kickouts for threes, but there was none of those, I'm LeBron James, I've got the ball in the wing, I'm going to put the ball on the floor and go buy this guy and go to the rim and score one time. And, you know, if you look, I wrote a piece last week uh, kind of with a note on every team. The note on the Lakers was, over the course of the season, LeBron against – the, the four or five teams with really good, big physical wing players, teams like the Raptors, the Clippers, the Celtics, uh, the Sixers, those bigger teams um, on the wing, uh, LeBron has really struggled against those teams. He's down um, four or five points per game against those teams. He's shooting, I think, seven or eight percent less in effective field goal percentage against those teams. Um, and he's going to run into those teams in the playoffs. Houston's like that. Uh, the Clippers are like that. You know, even the Blazers with, you know, it's funny, like Carmelo at this point can at least just stay in front of them and just mm-hmm. bang on them, which might be all he has to do. So, um, so yeah, look, I, I think that, you know, the Lakers, Lakers, obviously you don't want to necessarily bet against LeBron and AD. They're both great players, but I, I just don't think with their supporting cast, they have enough to beat, get by the Clippers and make a, uh, make a deep run in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I think when you're relying on what they're relying on at guard, which is, you know, I know KCP is a good defender, but, you know, he can be extremely erratic. Uh, obviously, we know Dion and JR are erratic. You don't have Avery Bradley. You're getting Rondo back at some point, but he has been a big minus this year to begin with. Kuzma's up and down. I, I, just, I just don't like the cast. And, and to me, you know, having followed LeBron as closely and as in person as I did for that long, I, I don't, I don't want to rule him out in any way because he'll make us all eat our words. But there, there does seem to be a half-step n- – He's 35, Ethan. This is yeah. the thing. People, I know. people refuse to acknowledge the fact that he's 35. Like he, yep. he's been incredible this season, right? He's been absolutely incredible. But like people get offended when you say that Giannis is the MVP of the league. 
like we honest is like 11 years younger than him. The fact it's even a debate <laughs> is amazing, right? right. Like it's, right. it shouldn't be a contest. Look at the guys who are he's friends with. Dwayne Wade is out of the league. Carmelo, you know, was out of the league for a while. He's had a nice little bounce back with, with the Blazers, but he's not that level player anymore. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul is still great. I am third on my MVP ballot, but Chris is doing it in kind of a, like, you know, ma- managing the game way more than like dominating it, right? He's kind of marshalling the forces everywhere. And that's kind of what LeBron is doing too. But like the fact that he's 35 years old, he should have lost half a step. He should have lost like four steps by now. Yep. So the fact that it's like, this is even a discussion is just a testament to how hard he works and how good he is. But to your point, you look at these key pieces around them. Mm-hmm. Like you go back to the, to the heat days, you go back to the, the Cavs days. There's guys like Shane Battier, Ray Allen, Chris Bosh, uh, Mike Miller, uh, you know, Kyle Korver, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, J.R. Smith, um, you know, Channing Frye. These guys are knockdown elite three-point shooters mm-hmm. that were spaced around him, that when he hit them with those passes, they would make those shots. Now he's playing with, you know, KCP, who's up and down. Kuzma, who's not a shooter. Deion Waiters, as you guys know, not a shooter. Uh, Town Horton Tucker, a rookie who scored his first points on Saturday, mm-hmm. and now might be in the rotation. He also isn't a shooter. So right. Alex Caruso, not a shooter. So, I, you know, they're a tough, hard-nosed defensive team. I give Frank Vogel a lot of credit for that. But I, I just I, – you look at them and you look at the Clippers, you say, okay, the two guys at the top probably cancel each other out. Yeah. You look after that, they're vastly different teams. So, to me, it's just very hard to see how the Lakers get through the West and, uh, and get to the finals. Yeah, no doubt. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, he has to play at a superhuman level every night, and I just don't know that he can get there all the time and particularly if he's going to be seeing you know all the Paul George's jokes aside lately if he's going to be seeing you know two of the three or four best wing defenders in the entire NBA rotating against him and I know they're going to have problems with AD there's no question okay they don't have an answer for AD but but LeBron is the trigger man for all that other stuff and I I think it's going to be challenging I mean I I think they're going to benefit from their seating I I don't really see a 4-5 matchup uh, uh, seating that's going to give them a ton of trouble, but oh, I don't. I, mean, I actually disagree with that a lot. You think I the Rockets? I think, Houston, I think yeah. Houston's a really bad matchup for them because again, like this Laker team has no wing depth, right? right. And so the Rockets are going to have all these six, seven guys flying around, mm-hmm. and they don't have like again, like the 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 Lakers are trying out Deion Waiters, they're trying out J.R. Smith, they're trying out a rookie who hadn't played all season. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're like they're really searching. Um, for options on the wing, I just think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be really, really well, yeah. difficult for them. I mean, I mean he'll see a lot of Covington, obviously. Uh, he'll, he'll see a lot of P.J. Tucker, who has guarded him a lot in the Even past. Eric Gordon is a big physical guy yeah. who can Provided bang on he's him. Like if, he, yep. if he tries, right. And I think he's coming back tonight. Westbrook mm-hmm. is a big physical guy. Harden is even a big physical guy, right? Like they have a lot of guys that can just throw at him. And mm-hmm. like if he wants to try to post up Harden, he can. Like Harden, that's the one thing Harden's really good at, right? He can... He can do that. Um, you know, and the other thing, too, with them, Ethan, and I, I think it's something – the biggest thing I'm watching with all these teams in the playoffs is, as you know, typically in the playoffs, these series and these playoffs take forever, mm-hmm. right? You're mm-hmm. playing somewhere between 20 and 28 games if you make the finals and win the title over 65, 70 days, right? This is going to be the same number of games in somewhere between 45 and 55 days. And you're basically playing every other day. Yep. And that's the thing, especially with the Lakers and with some of these teams that are older. You know, I think Toronto could have some issues with this too. They have an older team. 
Um, Milwaukee actually has a lot of older players, even though Giannis mm-hmm. is a pretty young guy. If you're playing every other day for 45 days, that's going to have a real cumulative effect on right. these teams. And especially right. with LeBron, you know, who's, again, like we just talked about, he's in year 17. He's dealing with this groin thing. Who knows how serious that is? He already looks a little bit slower. Um, you know, if you're having to go through, you know, say six games against Portland and say you go another six or seven games against the Rockets, just if you do that and get to the Clippers at that point, you, he might already be beaten down way more than he's used to being in the playoffs. And you play four games, then have a week off, and then play five games and have five days off first, right? So mm-hmm. uh, all that stuff, it, it's just going to be really fascinating to watch shake out. And I, I, I just have to say, as a basketball fan, I, you know, I'm a little bummed out about some of the injuries in the East. I think the first round, other than whatever series the Heat is going to be in, will probably be pretty dull. Um, but the final three ra- final two rounds of the playoffs in the East, and frankly, all three rounds of the playoffs in the West are going to be, I think, awesome uh, from a basketball standpoint. And I'm really, really fired up to, uh, to see those games and see how this thing plays out. Well, there's been a purity to the games because there are so few distractions there. And I, I just think, you know, like you said, the star players have risen. I think the Blazers making this run to eight, you know, certainly makes one more series com- compelling in the Western Conference. And then you know, you mentioned, you know, I think we were hoping for a really good three versus six, four versus five in the East. You may just get a good four versus five now, but, right. but I, but, but I, but I do think overall, yeah, I think the series are going to be, you know, really interesting from that perspective. And, and look, I mean, we mentioned it, you know, we talk about LeBron, we talk about Houston, uh, you know, one of the things that may get to the Lakers eventually here is the math. I mean, at, at a certain yes. point, if, if you, if you, if you're trading twos for threes, even if some of them are N ones, um, it gets difficult, and I think that's the play that Daryl Morey has been making, yep. which is, you know, we're just going to go all in on that. I, you know, I can't get the third star necessarily, but we're going to go all in. I, I have my, a lot of questions about them, but you're right. I think of the teams they could see in a one versus four or five, when you look at them, I, I don't put any faith in Utah. Without well, they, yeah, I mean, look, Houston could come in and shoot the ball 65 times in yep. three, right? Yep. They could make 25 threes yep. three games. Like, yep. they could just do that. Like, they have enough good shooters. They could, they could pull that off. Um, yeah. it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely possible. And yeah, the Lakers, like, here's your stat of the day. The Lakers offense is averaging 97.9 points per hundred possessions in the bubble. That is mm-hmm. the worst offense in the bubble by over four points per possession. And uh, they've played their guys, Tim. It's not like yes. they've rested everybody. So yes. they, they, they don't have anybody else to go to. Like you could say, oh, well, they're, they're tuning it up. And I'm like, okay, what, look I, again, can Dion have two good weeks? Yes, we've seen it. Um, can JR even at this stage give them some some flurries? Yes, but they don't. They don't have. Well, guys it's a difference between if it's a rely on. it's a luxury and a reliance, right. right? If you like, if you have Dion and like Dion gives you a nice game or two and you win a game or two, like that's great. If you need Dion or Jr. or Kyle Kuzma or KCP, if you if you need these guys to have big games, that's a much different story. Yep. Right. No and that's no where the Lakers are at. They're, they're in need of those guys to be critical pieces that have big games for them, as opposed to, oh, hey, it's nice if Kuzma makes a bunch of shots or Dion makes a bunch of shots or JR makes a bunch of shots. It's like, hey, we need a couple of these guys to make a bunch of shots. And if I'm, if I'm a Laker fan, while I feel great about having AD and LeBron, I don't feel so great about having to go into the playoffs with you know, this grab bag, this grab bag of guys that, you know, they need to have at least one or two of them play well every game to have a chance to beat the best teams in the league. All right. Tim Bontemps, you can find him at Tim Bontemps 
on Twitter, also on ESPN.com, on ESPN. Be safe up there in the bubble. I am planning on making it up there in about a week and a half, two weeks, um, provided the Heat's still playing, which I think they will be. So uh, we appreciate you taking the time, man. Anytime, man. Happy to do it and keep, uh, keep feeling good. Yeah, we'll get lunch up there. All right, man. <laughs> Eventually. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.